May is National Foster Care Month, but this year it comes with some sobering news. Clark County is reporting a surge in the number of babies entering the foster care system. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking with foster advocate Kim Foster about the pitfalls and joys of being a temporary parent through the systems that are, theoretically at least, working towards reunifying biological families. A quick note, Kim Foster always has a house full of kids and animals, so you'll hear chickens, turkeys, dogs, and maybe even a kid or two in the background. It's Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. I'm David Figler, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Kim, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited you guys are casting in Vegas now. It's great. I appreciate that. And I I appreciate you coming on. And I'm looking forward to so many conversations about food, trauma, and everything in between, which pretty much covers every aspect (laughs) of everyone's life in Las Vegas. But let's let's jump right into the the topic of, of foster care in Clark County. Um, we're, we're seeing lots of reports that there are more kids than ever in the foster care system. So I, I want to talk, first of all, about your personal experiences. Tell us about your experiences with the foster care system. So we were foster parents for a few years. Uh, we actually ended up adopting two of the kids that we had uh, as foster children, and then we just don't have any more bedrooms. So that's why we stopped. But we took in about 10 kids during the time that we were foster parenting, which is actually a pretty small number. Some families are taking in 30, 40 kids, that kind of thing. Was that all here in Southern Nevada? Yes, it was all here in Vegas. And our experience has been that there are a lot of reasons why kids are in foster care, and probably shouldn't be. There's not enough services for families that are struggling. And so in a a better world, if CPS rolls up at your house, maybe you would breathe a sigh of relief and say, wow, somebody's here to help us. But of course, we know that when a CPS car rolls up in front of your house, that there's a chance that they could be taking your kids away. And and CPS stands for Child Protective Services. Yeah. And I also want to talk about these reports uh, of a surge in babies that are entering the Clark County uh, foster care system. I mean, if this trend continues to the end of the year, we're going to have 40% more babies in the system than we did even last year. So Correct. W- why do you think that is? So last night, I talked to a bunch of foster parents about this in preparation for this And I was asking them why they think there are so many babies. And so this has not come from the government. This comes specifically from foster parents. So there's a few things. First, we think there's probably pandemic babies. So perhaps people were sequestered away and uh, getting pregnant during the pandemic. We think there's also an issue, the regulations for taking children zero to 12 months has changed. It requires pertussis and flu vaccines. And we suspect that there is a good portion of foster parents who maybe are anti-vax and are not, are, and so have moved out of the space of taking in kids zero to 12. And, um, 
And so they have moved their licensing from 12 months and up. So we think that is also an issue. What do you mean by licensing? So when you become a foster parent, the age range is newborn to 17. And so you get licensed for particular ages. So for instance, we didn't want babies. We wanted ages between four and 11. And that had to do with the ages of our biological children. And we just felt that that was like the thing that we could handle in our family. So when you get licensed as a foster parent, you get to decide. So you may say, I just want to take in pregnant teens and I want to take in pregnant teens and help them with their babies. Or you might say, I just want to take in uh, newborns, like drug addicted newborns. That's my area or a medically involved child. So you get to kind of choose during the foster education process, what kind of kids you can handle in your family. They really want this to work. So Mm -hmm. they're really trying to challenge you to think about what kind of kids your family can handle. And and obviously the babies need to be in a, a special place where the foster parents can take care of them and, and presumably have some experience with, with babies. So were, were there other reasons, do you think, why there's so many babies now? I mean, it does seem to be, uh, I understand the pandemic and maybe some of the vax issues. Do you think there's other reasons why there's more babies now? Well, it's interesting that you're digging a little deeper because one of the conversations I had last night was with a foster parent who's also a teacher. Teachers are always on the ground. And she has seen what she considers to be like a kind of chaos and trauma that is coming from just being a part of the pandemic and for having people be like really struggling during the pandemic. And so we're seeing an uptick in general in drug use, in domestic violence. I'm seeing personally lots of teens being kicked out of their homes. So I'm seeing like a general societal sort of chaos after coming out of this, and other people are seeing it as well. And talking to her last night made me feel like, oh, this is like a real thing. So we're starting to see these shifts where people are really struggling and there isn't help for the people who are struggling. And so when CPS gets involved, is that the primary or is that really the only way to foster care? In other words, you have a teen thrown out on the street, you have a baby that's been abandoned, you have parents who are under investigation for drug use or abuse or something else. Are those the only ways kids get into the foster pipeline or or are there other ways? Sometimes it can be through kinship. So if you find out if your sister is really struggling, you can go to court and get guardianship of the kids Mm. to just keep them out of the system or grandma can take them. So those things happen quite often where you see families stepping in and that is always the best case scenario. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the foster care system itself. What parts of the system maybe are broken? Oh, a lot of the system is broken. Um, Okay, so I'll give you an example just from um, our experience. We had a young boy, he was four years old, and his mom had rented an apartment, or she thought she was renting an apartment, and she gave someone cash, and it turns out it was a scam. Mm -hmm. And she had given them all her cash, and she started living in the apartment. And of course, she was squatting, but didn't realize it. And the police came. And they put her in jail and took her son, and we got her son. She was a single mom. She was 
trying to make money to support her son, give him a better life. She had been in care herself. She didn't have a lot of resources in the community. So instead of there being an avenue in which we can help people who are trying to stay housed, this was not a person who was addicted to drugs, who was making terrible choices. She was actually just really struggling. And so she could have actually lost her son. And, and for no real reason. I mean, and, and look, and CPS handled this beautifully. They were very focused on getting her services and things like that. But what happens is when these families get in trouble with CPS, they end up having to do parenting classes and take like, so basically they not only have to manage being poor and struggling and trying to keep their lives together and a roof over their heads, but they now have things like, you know, the parenting classes they have to go to and different things that they have to achieve. And it really ramps up the pressure for them. Like it really makes things much harder. And then oftentimes they they find themselves in the court system because the family court system here in Southern Nevada is the ultimate arbiters of whether or not there's going to be an effort to get the children back to their parents or if going the other direction, those parental rights might possibly be terminated. And we could talk about that for hours and hopefully oh my God, in, yeah. in another you know, episode of, of City Cast Vegas, we'll, we'll talk about that. But what I really want to talk about is with this system in place and, and these court proceedings, et cetera, how important are reunification and kinship as part of that process? And okay, by when I say I, re- reunification, I'm talking about going back to their biological parents. Yeah. I think there is not as much money put towards reunification as there is towards adoption. You know, when we have a Supreme Court justice talking about maintaining a domestic supply of infants and for And you're adoption, talking about the leaked Roe v. Wade memorandum that has been circulating and in particular Judge Barrett's comments that she had made before that's footnoted there, right? Correct. Thank you for saying, thank you yeah. for clarifying that. But that is a perfect example of how adoption and supplying babies for adoption is even more important than reunification. More money is sent to services to get children adopted federally than for support for reunification programs. And so the focus is on basically trafficking children from poor families. I'm just saying overall, not Vegas CPS. I'm not talking about any particular thing. In general, the trend is about pushing children toward adoption and not reunification. That's my perspective. Yeah, no, I get that. And that's a nuance that a lot of people are talking about right now when they're talking about the import of adoption in the conversation with regard to abortion. You know, there's also this concept, right, that foster parents get paid money to take care of the kids during the gap, That and that money isn't given to parents who are struggling, uh, which is crazy. A, an, an interesting subject as well. But wh- why do you think reunification isn't part of the the priority from your perspective. We don't like poor people. Mm. For me, that sums up, I think there's, I think we think that if people are poor, that they, like, if they're not, if they don't have, like, a nice house with a nice lawn and a nice, and, like, everybody's dressed really perfectly and, and it looks it, like we can't handle the fact that there might be mental illness, addiction, disability, like there might be a ton of issues that are generational poverty, like all kinds of things that contribute to why families struggle. And if we just look at them and as middle class and upper class folks just say, you know, because a lot of the 
a lot of the people, the kids that end up getting adopted, either through CPS or domestically, those moms are poor. They don't have a choice about whether they can take care of their baby or not. So your point about the foster care money is is spot on. If the money that we got to raise that boy whose mom was in jail, if she had gotten that money, she would have been able to stay housed or at least have a shot at housing. And we all know because of the recent brain research this year, and I wish I had it in front of me, but I don't, but basically it's very, very clear research that when people are given like $300 more a month per child, that everything changes, brain development changes, who gets a job in the next generation changes. And so we know that if the mom of the child that I had taken in had gotten the money that we got to raise him, then that that would have been better for the child than if he ended up at our house. I mean, that's really the point, right? That's the point. Mm -hmm. Should a person become a foster parent? And what is that all about? Okay, so um, I definitely want to encourage people to sign up to be foster parents, for sure. Um, We always need, there are always kids who need homes. Um, A lot of the kids who need homes um, have really been through uh, hell and are really needing parents who understand how to parent traumatized kids, kids from really hard places, because these kids will do absolutely everything to um, to sort of make parenting really difficult because they want they want you to give them away. It's like this: um, they are used to it. They understand that they will be uh, abandoned, not taken care of, and so when you have kids from these really really hard places, they will challenge you, challenge you, challenge you. So we're really looking for parents who can stand in the gap for families take kids when they're going through a really rough time and be there for families that are struggling and also be able to be a resource for those parents when the kids go back to their uh, families. If any of our listeners are interested in becoming foster parents, what should they be asking themselves before diving in? How can they prepare? Don't ask. Take the classes because it's in, like a lot of people try to make the decision about whether they want to foster before they take the classes. I suggest take the classes. They have an attrition rate of about 60% in the classes. So part of the goal of the classes is to figure out whether you can handle it or not and whether it can, you can make it work for your family. And there's no shame in dropping out of the process, coming back later, you know, saying, Oh, this isn't for me. I can't do it right now. We've had, I've seen people drop out and come back two years later and say, I know what this is about and I'm ready to go. So I would suggest calling the state. What you will get is when you call uh, Clark County Social Services, you'll get fingerprinting to make sure that you're not a child molester. And, um, uh, and they'll have a few preliminary things for you to do. And then you take the classes and that's where you figure it out. Well, to sign up for a Clark County informational session about foster parenting, you can head over to countmein.vegas. They do have both in-person and virtual sessions. Both are available. Kim Foster, I I do look forward to so many more conversations. And thank you for all you do for our community. Uh, And thanks for sharing your experiences with foster children. I mean, it's a natural, what's your last name, right? 
I know, right? Like, you were meant so, to do it. I was meant to. <laughs> Time for some news from around the city. What's going on, Scott? Well, actually, David, I'd like to talk to you about something that happened this weekend. The CityCast team headed over to the Wave End Festival, which, as you know, is the Black Mountain Institute's new flagship cultural production. We took in talks from artists in exile at the always trippy Area 15. Those were musicians, cartoonists, and writers who've received political asylum in the U.S. We heard their urgent message. Dr. Eve Ewing and Roxanne Gay spoke at the Springs Preserve on Friday. Their topics included anorexic dogs, the joy in marriage, and the rage we need right now. Another highlight was the informal swirl of people who gathered around the writer's block for a, a day of uh, readings and, and gatherings there. So all in all, it was a really well-rounded cultural production. But also this weekend, David, a couple of men stole a beloved bronze statue from in front of the local Girl Scouts office in East Las Vegas. The piece is titled In Grace, and it had been there for nearly 20 years. Now, the thieves probably are not art collectors. Police think they plan to melt it down and sell the metal. Well, they better buy some extra cookies this year. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you need more info or a link on becoming a foster family in Las Vegas, head to the podcast show notes at lasvegas.citycast.fm. And don't forget to tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Thursday morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. Who gets a job and the next generation changes? I'm sorry. Hold on. Okay. Everything just changed at my house. Hold one sec.